All right, glad you're with us. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of this extravaganza. One bit of good news. A New York ICU nurse has become the first American to receive the COVID vaccine. A big deal leaving the FedEx trucks, the uh, UPS trucks leaving uh, Michigan last night in the FISA headquarters. And uh, the FDA approved uh, almost a million doses of the vaccine have been sent out. I'm not going to get into the whole debate of whether or not you choose to, whenever your number comes up, there was a number calculation. Uh, if you filled out information, I'm like 268 million on the list. If I say I'm an essential worker, which by the way, if you work in media, that would make you one. It's 257 million on the list. You know, I say that through this context because the Washington Times reported 13 major journalism, so-called journalism, journalism's dead, uh, organizations have declared journalists are, quote, essential workers. They deserve to be included in initial populations to receive the coronavirus vaccine. Really? Oh, like they've they've actually followed the progress and given Donald Trump credit for Operation Warp Speed. No, that would never happen. But they actually sent a letter to the chairman for the CDC and the Prevention Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices and these media groups, 13 of them, in times of crisis, journalists represent an even more critical lifeline to their communities. In the case of this enduring pandemic, journalists have taken on an even more essential role serving as the connective fabric for Americans who are isolated and physically separated from each other and informing them of the constantly evolving risks in their individual community. Journalists provide information on the vaccine itself and other practical information. This is their December 8th letter, pointing out that the media does not necessarily work from home. The letter endorsed by America's public television stations, the Asian American Journalists Association, National Association of Black Journalists, National Association of Broadcasters, National Association of Hispanic Journalists, National Newspaper Association, National Press Photographers Association, National American Journalists Association, and it just goes on and on and on. And I'm thinking there, you know, how about we all go in the back of the line? That's where we belong. Let's be honest here. How about this goes to people that are the, those that we know that are at most risk, people with pre-existing conditions, People with compromised immune systems. How about we give it to frontline healthcare workers that basically dive on COVID, you know, landmines every day, protecting those that are sick with it every day and are around it every day. How about those that stock the store shelves and, and cashiers at the local grocery and, and drug stores that have worked the whole time? Maybe truckers, packers, farmers, they go first. Medical manufacturers, I'd put them up there. Communities hit particularly hard. I'd start there, too. 268 million, me, that's my number. It sounds about right to me. Let me put us at the front of the line. We're journal- These are the same news mob people that wouldn't even cover the president's comments when he was doing... COVID updates. They'd wait for the Q&A part where they could make themselves look good. It's just these are unbelievable times. You know, um, before the election, if you remember, spent a lot of time talking about institutional corruption in this country. And 
I want to spend a little bit of time. I don't know if I'm going to be able to express this to the extent that I want to express it in the, in the right way. And I was watching, I'm going to play just a real quick cut three. I, I was thinking about this in the context of Hunter Biden. And just, just a quick reminder what the mob, the media, and remember, big tech, they just, they spiked the New York Post story on Zero Experience Hunter. They kept telling us during impeachment that you had, even though we had the evidence, Joe on tape, oh, you got six hours. You're not getting the billion unless you fire the prosecutor. Son of a bee, they did it. And then Zero Experience Hunter on GMA, that dopey interview. Any experience, oil, gas, energy? No. Ukraine? No. Why do you think you're paid millions? I don't know. Uh, maybe because your dad's the vice president? I didn't make a penny off China. Another lie. Anyway, but just the media then, before the election, now the media, oh, well, I guess there is something to the Hunter story. Listen. There's no evidence to support the claims about Joe Biden's son. Hunter Biden is under an ongoing investigation for his taxes related to his business dealings in China. There's no evidence that Hunter Biden did anything illegal. CNN and others are reporting that Hunter Biden is now the president-elect's son is under investigation. Hunter Biden, there's no evidence that he's done anything wrong. The Justice Department investigating Hunter Biden, he says it's for taxes. While we all know that Hunter Biden, there's no evidence of any wrongdoing with him. New details on the federal investigation of President-elect Biden's son, Hunter. Okay, new information. It, it was there the whole time, which is my point. Now, as you stand back now and you just it's kind of hard to really fully completely stand back and absorb the times that we're living in here, because th there's always a part of me that never thought it or these things could happen here. And they're all happening. Let me let me see if I can explain this. If you look at the breathtaking hypocrisy on Russian interference in our elections, right? Okay. There's all Trump, Russia, Trump, Russia. Three years of media mob, never-ending lies, a hoax, a conspiracy, never happened. They pushed it every single solitary day. The mob and the media, did they ever apologize? Did they ever get the story right? No. Now, we did the hard work of actually really vetting the story. And it, when I, it, was, it, it wasn't easy. There weren't really a whole lot of us doing it. Big tech, I don't remember them censoring any of the phony, fraudulent conspiracy theories and lies that were being told by Democrats and the media. Because that's what they wanted you to believe. Four investigations later... And we realized there was never any evidence. But if they really cared about that issue, think about this. They would have cared about Hillary's bought and paid for dirty dossier with funneled money through a law firm, hiring an op research firm, hiring Christopher Steele, former MI6 guy. And when in January of 2017, they get to his source, the subsource, and the subsource says none of this is true. This was bar talk. This wasn't meant for anything. They knew. But they dragged the country from three years through hell anyway. They didn't care. On Ukraine, quid pro quos matter, right? On Ukraine, a anonymous whistleblower, hearsay whistleblower, wasn't a real whistleblower, just hearsay, heard that this happened, is a patriot and a hero. 
who's courageous. I mean, that was all, all we got lectured on. Then you got now big tech. Now all of a sudden big tech wants to get involved in content and leading up to the election. You know, you got pictures of Hunter Biden with a crack pipe in his mouth. You got, you know, oh, it, it runs deeper. You got the Grassley and and Ron Johnson reports, money wires back and forth, three and a half million first lady of Moscow. You got Burisma on top of it, millions of dollars. You got a Kazakh oligarch wiring money to the to Hunter's company. You got the Chinese national shopping spree that the report talks about. Uh, you got the $1.5 billion deal with the Bank of China. All of that happened. Big tech. Now they'll censor because that impacts them and their agenda. I mean, it's, it's you know, it's just it, the amount of hypocrisy is you, when you really just stand back and look at it. It's breathtaking. They didn't care about Hillary and the Russia dossier. They didn't care about Ukraine and real quid pro quos. They don't really like whistleblowers. We learned too, because we've had plenty of whistleblowers, hundreds and hundreds of them that have signed affidavits under the penalty of perjury. And they never, they acted like these whistleblowers never existed. What happened to the praise of one hearsay, non whistleblower whistleblower that was anonymous. All of a sudden the praise of whistleblowers have disappeared. Now the election's over, they got what they wanted, and then, oh, I guess the Hunter stuff might have a little bit of truth to it. They knew the whole time. I mean, we had the tape of Joe and the tape of the interview with Hunter. No credible person believes. Well, I was credible, and I believed it. Nobody's ever gone back to say, yeah, uh, the dirty Russian disinformation dossier, that's a big story. They didn't do that either. You know, just like little things, but they're really big things. They let Joe hide in the basement, never ask her, ask a question. That's our mob, too. That's big tech, too. That's the Democrats, too. I'm just betting in the next few years, we're going to have a little crisis, and we're going to really discover that there's a whole bunch of people that knew that Joe was weak and frail and struggling. Just a guess on my part. I think it's a pretty educated guess. And all of that protect us. Like Obama never got vetted, ever. So when you have now these institutions aligned for an agenda and, you know, you couple this with they just never cared even a second about the whistleblowers that talked to the American people that told incredible stories. Not once. All the all the the before election stories on Dominion voting machines, for example. Well, the New York Times was very critical. The AP was very critical. Tenured Princeton professor was very critical. You had problems all throughout the Georgia primary. Critical. Then you have twice in 2019, the state of Texas rejects it. Critical. Well, why did they reject it? Why did these other states accept it? Why, when you find out in Georgia, the three machines tested, it did the worst. Why would you get the worst one? Why wouldn't you get the best one? This is the United States, right? And you just get this general feeling where I think I was at a point in my life where I just thought it never could happen here. And that these are the types of things that would happen in some other place. But the problem is it's been happening here. And if you open your eyes, you can see it. 
And when you listen to the whistleblowers and then you listen to the witnesses and then you read the affidavits and then you see that straight up statutory language is ignored. And and then you, you see a video out of Georgia where, you know, the media is kicked out. The observers are kicked out. Out come the ballots and suitcases and then they start getting counted. And you add it all together and you realize what the hell's going on? I never thought this could happen here. When you look at those that were involved in the deep state and spying on a president, a presidential candidate, a transition team, it's only one person so far that's been held accountable. I don't exactly have much hope that Durham is going to hold the other people accountable. I mean, we've had that low hanging fruit where they recommend they have referrals since the Horowitz report came out. One anonymous whistleblower hero. It's a hearsay whistleblower. Hundreds of other whistleblowers ignored. One set of laws for if you're a Democrat and another set, you know, you're going to get pre-dawn raids, guns drawn, 30 guys in tactical gear, frogmen and CNN cameras. That's the other set of laws. We spit on the sidewalk, you get arrested and you, you'll have to pay bail. And we have no bail for anybody else. You know, if we don't get the compass back, which is getting to the heart of solving the problem and and issue one has to be restoring election integrity, if there ever was any, beginning to doubt that, too. If we don't get that done, you know, and we're not going to hold people accountable for the exact same things that they say are so terrible if one party does it, but not their party. And if we're not going to pay attention to whistleblowers when it impacts their side. And we're going to say anybody that discusses it a liar. I mean, you have to take on a lot of lies here. It's about the lie over the truth, criminalizing political differences, controlling information flow, especially in the lead up to elections. They have agendas. And and then the American people feel as they do, as I do, as many of you do. All right, 25 till the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program Look, this is not my area of expertise, and that's why we're bringing on experts later in the program today. Uh, Justin Mealy will join us. He's an Intel analyst at the NSA, software developer uh, uh, in his own right. And John Basham is a data scientist, you know, machine learning expert, meteorologist. I mean, he does all this stuff because there's been this report about a, a system, and, and again, solar winds, that also is used in all five military branches of the government and the State Department and the Justice Department and the NSA and NASA and 10 U.S. telecom uh, companies, over 400 of the Fortune 500 companies. And they're looking at malware distributed directly um, from the update of the system. Now, the extent and magnitude of this is beyond my understanding. To be very blunt, so we'll, we'll kind of rely on what they have to say about it. Um, the thing that just is spectacular to me in this is because it's hard to comprehend that in this day and age that we don't see computers and software and hacking and cyber criminals and all of the, you know, you've got levels of sophistication that run so deep. You don't have to be a brain surgeon to figure out Russia is a hostile regime. The mullahs in Iran hate our guts. China, hostile regime. Uh, Venezuela is hostile. 
I mean, you can just run around the globe and figure out we, we have a lot of enemies out there. And it, it's cyber defense has got to at some point become a top priority, national security priority for everybody. Now, with that said, John Solomon's just the news dot com had an interesting piece today. Linda, by the way, is up to her eyeballs in this, knows more about it than I do. If she wants to weigh in, you're free to weigh in. But anyway, a Michigan judge today allowed the release of a report that, quote, found intentional systemic errors in programs designed by Dominion Voting Systems and that the errors are meant to influence election results. I'm reading the exact wording of this. The analysts who created the report published their forensic findings on the Antrim County, Michigan elections, one county only. This is what they concluded. Quote, again, what did I say almost from day one? Well, we needed a forensic accounting of the machines. This this was one that was actually done. There were also some forensic. I never got the results out of what happened in Georgia. We conclude that the Dominion voting system, quote, is intentionally and pur- purposefully designed with inherent errors to create systemic fraud and influence election results. Reads the report. This is from the report. The system in- that the judge released today. The system intentionally generates an enormously high number of ballot errors, which, by the way, if you go back to the Georgia primary, what did, what did the New York Times, what were they most critical of that? What the fact that they use the systems and we had found out I read somewhere that what they tested three systems in Georgia and this one performed the worst of the three, but it was the cheapest. That's the so-called rationale we were told. Anyway, then it says the system intentionally generates an enormously high number of ballot errors. The electronic ballots are then transferred for adjudication. So this forensic computer expert report compiled in connection with this lawsuit of an Antrim County resident, a guy by the name of Bill Bailey, who charged that there were problems with the voting machines and the forensic report, which had been under seal until today, interesting timeline, validated Bailey's claims that the intentional errors lead to bulk adjudication of ballots with no oversight, no transparency, no audit trail. And this leads to a voter or election fraud And based on our study, we conclude the Dominion voting system should not be used in Michigan. We further conclude the result should not have been certified. You know, what frustrates me is that, like a lot of things, this is so late in the game, at least from my perspective. This is what I've been able to dig up on Dominion that I I can confirm. The New York Times was critical of it. The AP was critical of it. That professor that apparently is an expert, tenured at Princeton, he, he spoke out pretty harshly against it. Twice in 2019, the Secretary of State and and Texas officials rejected the system. They rejected their updated system. Uh, So that led to the two rejections of that system being used in Texas and that they had problems in the state of Georgia in the primary season. Now, am I an expert on all this? No. So I read this other articles in the Epic Times and What they're saying is pretty much the same thing, is that crucial security adjudication logs are missing from the machine in this one particular Michigan county, according to a forensic according to this forensic report. Significantly, the computer system shows vote adjudication logs from for prior years, but all adjudication log entries for the 2020 election cycle are missing. Now, it never made sense to me why Georgia was was pushing so hard, so fast to to basically dump these hard drives 
That I never understood either. And the lack of records prevents any form of audit accountability and conspicuous absence is extremely suspicious since the files exist for previous years using the same software. We must conclude that the records have been manually removed. And that was in the report. So I'm, I'm going through all this and I got this report and I got the whole thing. Um, and it's literally 23 pages by the time you get to the end of it. And they try to explain it. It's not my area of expertise. But I just, as I look at this, I'm like, okay, you never get the media mob, the New York Times, the AP. You got, remember the letter from December 2019 from Ron Wyden. And then that was signed by Amy Klobuchar and Elizabeth Warren. Then you got the state of Texas, conservative as can be, they rejected it. You never get Democrats, Republicans, and the media to ever agree on any one thing. But they all didn't like the system. My only my main question is, why was it used? We can we can literally with a home of Apple, Microsoft, Silicon Valley, and we send people to the moon and we bring them home. And why would there be if you have everybody critical of it? Then my next question is, why were we using it? And are they planning on using it again? You know, we do have another election in Georgia, which is critical and crucial and very important. You know, by the way, you think this Hunter Biden investigation is going to continue? If the Democrats have the Senate, no, that's going to go away. Um, by the way, Tony Bobolinsky was very clear that the White House press pool, that it was false that Biden never discussed business with his son. Well, the big guy we now have pointed out is, you know, put 10 million aside from him and, and Hunter's care. Ron Johnson and Chuck Grassley are pissed. It was they put their report out on Hunter, and nobody wanted to hear what they had to say then. And he's out there saying Congress should have been made aware of the investigations into the tax affairs of Hunter Biden as they considered the articles of impeachment against Trump in 2019. I'm sympathetic for keeping investigators confidential unless there's an indictment, he said. But when you're talking about investigations with a political realm, particularly one that would have affected the impeachment trial of the sitting U.S. president in the U.S. Senate, that should have been relevant information. The fact that they had Joe Biden's computer that had all these emails back from December of 2019, he continued. And the probes into Biden's son began in 2018 on a report about the the extent with Burisma and then his dealings with China. That was before the trial. That was before the impeachment. Listen, I'm just saying I got beaten up in the mob in the media for saying it. But if you use the media mob and Democrats' standard for impeaching Donald Trump on the Ukraine issue with the phone call with President Zelensky, and then you just look at Joe Biden on tape bragging about withholding a billion taxpayer dollars until a prosecutor's fired and Hunter saying he had no experience, and then you couple that with the Grassley-Johnson memo, which talked about it going a lot deeper beyond what Peter Schweitzer has revealed on this program about the China connection— and the $1 billion that later becomes $1.5 billion, and then the Kazakh oligarch and the Russian oligarch, the First Lady of Moscow, and then other Ukraine officials, you begin to see that, oh, a massive, huge double standard is implied. And now, apparently, there was an investigation going on in the whole campaign, and we never heard about it. And this is part of the frustration I have about institutions now failing at a spectacular level. 
And that would be the media. That would be big tech. That would be the Democratic Party. And frankly, the Republican Party is just weak, feckless, spineless. And, you know, they don't want any part of anything. Anyway, if you look at this copy, NBC News reported that then president of Rosemont Seneca Partners warned uh, Hunter Biden that he would need to amend his 2014 returns to reflect unreported income. Quote, in 2014, you joined the Burisma board. We still need to amend your 2014 returns to reflect the unreported Burisma income. That email about his 2014 returns was dated January 16, 2017. Then the email goes on to note that Hunter, by the way, if you're a Republican, you're going to get 30 guys in tactical gear, frogmen, and CNN cameras at your door. Then the email goes on to note that Hunter, who's now the subject of federal tax probe, netted more than $1.2 million for the year, and the earnings include 400000 for Burisma, as well as income from Rosemont Seneca Advisors. That, of course the partnership that he had formed on all of these deals. The email was made available by Rudy Giuliani's attorney. And he said he had given a copy of, of one of Hunter's hard drives from the owner of the computer repair shop. By the way, my source is explaining to me, and I'm not at liberty to say yet, what's on that hard drive is far worse than Hunter with a crack pipe in his mouth. Asleep. Um, but, you know, there was a, a Fox News story. This This blew me away, too. Now that we have the new emails from Hunter's laptop from hell indicating that his father, Joe Biden, the big guy, was preparing to enter a joint venture with with a Chinese business mogul before he made the decision to run for president. Fox News reporting that Hunter Biden requested in 2017 that keys be made for his new, quote, office mates listing his father, Joe Biden, Jill Biden, Uncle Jim Biden. Uh, for space they plan to share with an emissary for a chairman of a Chinese energy company, according to an email obtained by Fox News. Now, that email shows Hunter requesting keys for Joe and Jill Biden, along with Uncle Jim Biden, to the general manager at this particular House of Sweden, a building in D.C., which contains multiple office suites, et cetera, et cetera, as well as a number of embassies. In the email, Hunter Biden also requests keys for this guy, Gongwen Dong, who he describes as an emissary for Chairman Yi, the chairman of the Chinese energy company, CEFC. I'd like the office sign to reflect the following. He continued, quote, the Biden Foundation and Hudson West, CEFC U.S., the lease will remain under my company name, Rosemont Seneca. He continued to provide details about this guy, Mr. Dong, and Yi, who he referred to as my partner, as well as other contact information. Now, ask yourself, if the last name were Trump, well, what would likely be the reaction? It's, I think it's pretty clear. You know, John Berman, fake news, CNN, asking if sen senior Republicans who have stoked undemocratic conspiracy theories. I find this fascinating. They lied for three years about Russia, the biggest hoax ever. They never corrected the record. Everything they reported was wrong. You know, I'm sitting here wondering, why did I, I go through painstaking vetting of every single thing we reported? Because I know if I get one little thing wrong, it gets blown out of proportion. So we don't like to be wrong. And you got Danny, Donnie Deutsch calling 50 million... What did he say about us? Jerks. Really, we really suck as human beings if, if you support Donald Trump. 
you know, I'm so offended. The president, I think, is right to be angry that they didn't disclose Hunter Biden's probe during the election. All throughout the impeachment, they knew that this was going on. And, and as Ron Johnson said, Biden has not been honest. He had to know about Hunter's business in China. Had to. Nobody in the media wants to talk about it. They can't even believe they because they went full undercover for all things Biden, Democratic Socialist. Biden didn't have to leave the basement. They were beating up Trump for him. They were his biggest advocates. They never asked him a tough question. They never vetted him. They never looked into, you know, they ex- just just blanket exoneration of all things Hunter. This is part of this institutional corruption. It's so bad, I, just, I don't even know what to do with it anymore. Now the media was finally covering Hunter and his shady business practices. Okay, what did Joe know and when? Let's start with those questions. So Hunter Biden subpoenaed over Burisma, two dozen others, uh, entities as part of what are now apparently four investigations. All of this they knew before the election. Now they might appoint a special counsel, which I think would be a good idea. Talked to Rick Grinnell about it last night a little bit. Bar work to keep Hunter Biden probes from public view during the, the election is the headline and the feeling of the president. Hunter Biden, we need an investigation. You got the laptop. What else is on it? Because what I hear is on it is bad. None of it's any good. All right, hour two, Sean Hannity Show, 800-941-SEAN. If you want to be a part of the program, we spent a lot of time, obviously, on this show talking about computers and software. This is not my area of expertise. If you look at this IT company, it's called Solar Winds. They say they may have been hit in what they describe as a highly sophisticated hack. It's an IT company. They said on Sunday that uh, monitoring products it released in March and June of this year may have been surreptitiously tampered with in a highly sophisticated, targeted manual supply chain attack by a nation state. I'm reading this from U.S. News and World Report. Now, the statement came as U.S. the U.S. intelligence community urgently investigates breaches at several government agencies. And by the way, this this goes back a long time now. You know, I've been saying, how is it possible that these outside entities remember the whole issue of Hillary Clinton's email? How, you know, and remember, there were reports that as many as six foreign entities, if I had to guess, it would be hostile regimes as the intelligence community is now looking into whether or not the breaches occurred at the Treasury at the Commerce Department, whether it happened at the Defense Department, whether it happened at NASA and all of these other places. The breach, which two people apparently with the, familiar with the investigation said connected to a previously announced intrusion at cybersecurity firm FireEye, which is believed to be the work of Russians. Do I know anything? I can barely bet, download an app. But all of the technologies that we all talk about on a daily basis, you begin to ask yourself a question. Why are we still vulnerable? And why can't we have full, complete cybersecurity? I would think with Silicon Valley and with Apple and with Microsoft that that would be something uh, that would kind of be a top priority and easily achievable. By the way, they provide service, this particular company, for over 400 of the 500 Fortune 500 companies 
you know, now we're talking about NASA. We're talking about a president. We're talking about government. And then you're talking about election machines, which, again, not my area of expertise. Justin Mealy is with us, former Arabic linguist, intelligence analyst at the NSA and software developer John Basham is back with us, data scientist, meteorologist and machine learning expert. Thank you both for being with us. Hi, Sean. Thank you, Sean. Can you just explain, Justin, you worked, you were an intelligence analyst for the NSA software. Uh, this is what you did. Can you tell us how long you've been doing this? I've been doing it for quite a while, Sean. And, you know, real quick, I just want to explain how this kind of exploit works so we can kind of get the extent of what this means for everybody, right? And basically, what, what happens is a solar wind has a piece of software called the Patch Manager. And I'm kind of jumping ahead of the news here. This hasn't been reported or anything. But, the, but basically, this patch manager uh, is a bunch of sort of software updates that they compile outside of things in kind of a trusted source. And that when, when, they, when, when you have this patch manager used on an enterprise network, the enterprise can go and basically get these updates from there. and They're basically trusted in between there. So these are two trusted networks talking to each other, right? And so all you have to do in order to compromise these networks in the way that it looks like they did is is combine one of the pieces of well, one of the op- updates, and it doesn't have to be, you know, updating Microsoft Outlook or anything like that. It could just be updating, you know, a keyboard driver or something like that. And you compile that with, the, with your exploit and put that in a trusted certificate, you know, compile that with a trusted certificate and put that into this repository and wait for your target network to go and download that and update their network, and boom, now you have a jumping point to everything that you want to do in that network. I mean, it's how is it possible if we this is the United States, perhaps again, I'm a little naive in thinking that we would have the best, brightest scientific uh, minds, IT minds, software minds, hardware minds available to defend against this. Am I naive in thinking that, oh, I could be wrong? Well, I mean, you know, for the most part, we spend a lot of money and a lot of time trying to create ways of defending these networks. And in reality, you know, the, the person, the individual that's accessing this network is the easiest place where you can exploit, right? And then if we look at previous exploits, like, for instance, uh, the most famous exploit and probably the best example of computer exploits known to man, which was Stuxnet, if you look at something like that, that exploit was just a bunch of USB sticks dropped in a, in a parking lot, you know? And then somebody picked it up, put it into the network, and then now you have a compromised network. So, you know, for the most part, um, yes, like, you know, we spent a lot of money trying to detect all the different ways. And, you know, it's just a kind of a cat and mouse game when it comes to all these different, uh, you know, ways that you can exploit and then defend against the exploits and so on and so forth. And it's just never ending. So we'll never reach a point where your network is 100% safe. And we'll definitely never reach that when we have, uh, you know, fallible humans in place that are going to always be able to, you know, get on the phone with somebody and be able to, you know, get them to enter their password in there and, and fake different things, you know, with the social engineering techniques that people use. John Basham, what is your take on this? Well, Sean, I, you know, I, I think that he's, he's covered it very well, but there's some, there's some even more alarming parts to this. We, we in the public got the first word of this when the Department of Homeland Security's Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency issued an emergency directive on a Sunday yesterday and literally told the agencies, the federal civilian agencies, to disconnect or power down all of the SolarWinds Orion products 
in the entire federal government. That's how bad this uh, this infestation is. Uh, it gives the hackers in these foreign nation states, it gives them a, a, a God mode type activity. And uh, what, what really is alarming is, is when you look at this exploit, this hack, it's actually infecting uh, networks which house uh, 425 of the top U.S. Fortune 500 companies, all 10 of the top 10 U.S. telecommunication companies, all five of the U.S. military branches, the Pentagon, and even the Office of the President of the United States all use this network type of a system. The uh, system that we're talking about here was first detected by the folks over at FireEye, and it wasn't detected by CISA, who you think would have detected it since it's been out in the wild since March of this year. You know, I mean, this just goes to the heart, I guess, of a lot of people, and there's been so much talk about, for example, on the election side of this, uh, you got this guy who is a apparently well-credentialed uh, Harvard University MBA grad, political science degree from Duke, work with uh, NASA, work with MIT, other organizations. He does this forensic analysis of this machine in Michigan and comes to the conclusion that certain systems are intentionally and purposely designed with inherent errors and create systemic fraud and influence in the election results. How do people take that on December the 14th after this election well, happened on November 3rd? When you look at this particular exploit and you apply it to the election, and you have federal agencies who said this was the most secure election in history, then you find out later that something we discovered today was that, and I'm sure everyone's heard of the Dominion voting systems, their actual systems, the file system server that they use for their company to push out updates to all the voting systems throughout the country is housed through the very same systems that were infected by this particular exploit. So any computer, any tablet, any voting machine, tabulator, that may have gotten an update that was affected by this virus, you can't trust a single thing it does. This is stunning. It's absolutely stunning, Sean. I mean, and this is, I guess, the frustrating thing, because I don't think most people have the... the the technical skills. I think most people are like me, to be very honest, which is zero technical skills. Justin? Well, yes, yeah, Sean, you know, here's the thing, right? They shut down this country and everything in it for a human virus that we later learned wasn't as bad or as lethal as it was made out to be. But they want to carry on as if all these government large corporate systems uh, compromised by this virus, which, you know, as far as we can tell, is the most widespread virus in the history of the United States government. You know, obviously, as John said, infecting even up to the office of the president of the United States. You know, they want us to go along with this election and everything that happened with it, knowing very well that these election systems could have been compromised and, you know, most likely were. And and then forget about the statement about this being the most secure election in the history of the United States. So it's stunning, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, and this is this gets to the heart of, you know, where people look when when you look at election laws that were ignored, when you listen to whistleblower after whistleblower, 
Uh, and again, whistleblowers were very important when there was one and it was anonymous and it was a hearsay whistleblower. I mean, the double standard is breathtaking. And then you look at affidavits signed under penalty of perjury. Then it's not one, but it's hundreds and hundreds in each state that we, you know, have been now examining since November 3rd. You put all of this together and then you ask yourself the question, John Basham, how do Americans ever have confidence in the outcome and integrity of an election? Because, you know, now we have 83% according to Gallup of Republicans saying they don't have faith and and confidence in the outcome, and they think fraud was committed. That, you know, Sean, that's that's kind of what, what is so disturbing about this. You look at the um, incredible pushback that President Trump got when he fired uh, Chris Krebs, who was the uh, director of the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, the agency that is supposed to oversee uh, this type of intrusion, this type of a Trojan malware virus that infects the nation or even the world in this case, and to find them, well, he didn't detect it. His agency was asleep. They were, they didn't discover it. It was out in the wild since March. I, I do have a, a bit of breaking news for you, Sean. I'm here. In, I'm located here in Texas, and I have a good friend who's a, a ranger who is. Uh, has passed to me that the FBI, the Texas Rangers, and the U.S. Marshals are all at the SolarWinds headquarters in Austin, Texas, and they are currently looking very seriously at the systems there. There's other information that will be coming out very shortly about the CEO and the executive vice president that will be stunning as well. So you know what this information is? I do. I, I have it in front of me, and um, it, it shocked me when I first saw it, and I, I verified it, as a matter of fact, when it was given to me, even though it was given to me by a ranger who I, I consider the, the top law enforcement agency in the nation. Are you saying um, that it, this, this so-called hack is bigger than anybody imagined? Because that's what I'm hearing you say. It is worldwide, and it looks as if, just by looking at the evidence, that they, at the folks who are at Solar Winds probably knew about it way earlier than they let the world know. On November the 9th, the executive vice president, a guy named David Gardner, sold 57,251 shares of his stock to cash in $1.2 million. And then the CEO of the company on November 18th sold 533,871 shares. And then the next day sold 166,000 shares. 700,000 shares at a total average price of 2191. Are you saying that they knew all of this had happened and they were dumping their stock or are you suggesting that might have been a consideration? I mean, do you have any evidence for that? Told, I am told by uh, by my law enforcement contact that the CEO Kevin Thompson has turned over his passport to federal officials. And that's what your law enforcement of people are telling you. First firsthand, and they were the ones who, who gave me the information. I absolutely trust the source. That turns out to be true. That's a big deal. What does it mean for the average person like me? Okay, yeah. So, so the thing is, Sean, is that if you look at the list of all the different companies that are on there, and, you know, as John mentioned, there are over 400-something, uh, you know, Fortune 500 companies and whatnot. Look at the list of, of, of who's on there. Now, you can't right now, because if you go to that website, they, they went ahead and taken down that list. But you can go back to the Wayback Machine and look back at yesterday at 10, 10 p.m. and see that, you know, you have stuff like City of Tampa. You have City of Nashville, right? And, you know, that's, we're talking about public works. That might affect water systems. Who knows? I mean, the, the breadth of this could affect uh, electrical grids. It could affect everything because we don't know the extent of it because right now 
we can only surmise based off of that customer list that we saw publicly, but they said that there's over 300,000 customers. So if it's so four, of the five, 400 of the 500 Fortune 500 companies, NASA, the executive branch of our government, our Defense Department, now we're talking about pretty much the entire government. Is that what you're saying, John? I mean, help us out here. It is, Sean. The problem is we don't know what we don't know. And what I mean by that is since these network servers were in such secure locations and this particular hack gave these foreign hackers God mode, they literally could look at the files. They could look at the passwords. They could add software. Here's the, the scary moment for me when I realized they could load a different virus onto the system and have it sit silently. So even if we found this one, we don't know about the next one. You're describing the potential of a cyber attack on a level that would have compromised every part of our government and our country. As well as corporate America and it appears the telecommunication systems and even possibly electric. And you're telling us it could have happened. It might be this one. And if it is, everything was taken. Everything was compromised. Am I hearing you right? Yes, sir. Everything that's on that list, even, even as we spoke about the Dominion voting systems, anything that touched the systems that were infected, any other computer that was connected to them, whether it was a tabulator or a voting machine, you cannot trust the end result of anything that came from that if you don't know whether or not it's infected. And oh we don't gosh. right now. All right, we'll stay on it, John. Thank you, Justin. Thank you, too. 25 to the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN, if you want to be a part of the program. So we're chronicling you know, the real life impact of all of these COVID government shutdowns on real restaurant owners. Now in New York today, they they had been at 25 percent occupancy indoor dining in New York. That has now gone away. Um, we've been we've been bringing business owners on. It is de- devastating to them. Uh, remember, we told you about this New Jersey gym owner. Remember this guy? The cops had to come. They arrested him for. Now, meanwhile, the guy I remember interviewing him at the time. I mean, he literally I mean, there's social distancing in the gym. People are wearing masks in the gym. They have wipes everywhere in the gym. They have Purell everywhere in the gym. And and people are choosing to go. Now, everybody understands the rules with COVID, social distancing, masks, et cetera. We've gone over them ad nauseum. Do you know the fines against this one gym owner now have exceeded more than a million dollars? It's over for him. His business is dream. Now, I just happen to know a lot of entrepreneurs and people that risk it all to open that restaurant, open that bakery, open that store, open that gym, open whatever. And, and even though their customers want to go and choose to go, knowing everything we know. No, I did think one of the coolest things we did see this weekend was the, the, the vaccine leaving Kalamazoo, um, Michigan, or there, around there, the Pfizer plant there, I think it's in Portage, and, and getting on their UPS trucks and the FedEx trucks and, and routed now around the country. It is a tribute to medical researchers and scientists and doctors. I mean, it's just an incredible, miraculous advancement in terms of a vaccine anyway you got a couple kicked off a united flight to new jersey because the two-year-old little girl on the flight didn't wear the mask the right way and you know she was struggling to put the mask on now 
I'm sure there's a way to work with the girl and make that happen if you if you have the patience for it. But that, there wasn't enough patience for it from what I read. You know, the girl's in tears in the video. I mean, it breaks your heart to see this. And, you know, then you've got, of course, well, they're actually now looking for a recall petition as it relates to Gavin Newsom out in California because they've shut down the whole state out there. And the burdens that are placed on Americans, I, I don't think people really understand. Most people I know that open a small business, everything they have, they throw into it. Every penny they have, their heart and soul, they throw into it. And, and it's hard enough to make it as it is. Here's a case, for example, uh, if you look at California. Now, there's a woman who's an incredible, her story would make you cry, owner of the Pineapple Hill Saloon and Grill. Anyway, I've heard her story. I think she was on with Laura in- Ingram when I saw her the, the other night. And anyway, she owns her sal- saloon, her store, her, her restaurant. Nobody's allowed in. And right next door, they've got a trailer in a, an area where they're, I guess, doing film production. And they're in closer contact than anybody would have been in her own restaurant that she has to pay for. But she's now closed down. Anyway, Angela Marston, let me first play some of the comments that she made uh, calling out Hollywood hypocrisy over this. Well, I'm going to say this. It is a sad day when there is a huge humanitarian crisis in your backyard and you want to bicker over who's wearing a mask or who isn't. And that is even not the point because I actually believe in wearing masks. My servers wear shields, they wear gloves, they wear masks. And if you go into TJ Maxx right now, it's packed with people mm-hmm. inside and they're allowed to be open. You know, so I, I don't understand why, you know, Hollywood, their careers are made in pubs and bars. You know, you start off as a waiter trying to be an actor or, you know, we. I have a huge community of the entertainment industry that comes in that, by the way, have been very, very supportive. And the reality is, you know, I've been saying it, saying it for a long time, is that pitting us against each other for survival is is not the way to go about this. If anything, Netflix should be starting a fund to help save the bars and 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 help feed the people that have supported their industry right here in their hometown of Hollywood. You know, I, I don't I don't understand why they feel they have to be defensive and try to attack me because it's not about politics. It's about people. How about they just cater out of Angela's saloon and grill? Angela Marsden joins us now. Uh, first, I'm sorry about all you're going through. I, I would imagine that everything you, your heart, your soul, your finances you put into this, this is killing you. Yeah, yeah, Hannity. Um, literally, I'm not rich. Uh, I, I'm, I don't come from a rich family. Um, I have a, a silent partner, and um, his sister actually at the time was a friend of mine, and she was you know, diagnosed with cancer, and he was like, look, if I can get us a loan, maybe this will help both of us. And I mean, we literally took out a loan to pay this bar off, and we've been working for 10 years. The first two years, I didn't even take a salary. I worked as a bartender just so that we could have a retirement and some money coming in to help both of us have a better life. So, yeah, I, I mean, you hit it on the nail. Every small business owner I talk to, it's the same thing. You know, this is their life savings. This is their retirement. And, and we employ, you know, 
The, 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 the Independent Restaurant um, Association did, gave me some stats. We employ a million single parents across the country. You know, we supply so many jobs to, to the economy. And, you know, that's another thing that gets lost is these people, you know, employees that can't pay their rent and the rent's piling up and their unemployment's running out. And it's just, it's a, it's a vicious circle of things that are like a tidal wave that's about to hit our community. And, and that's why I don't understand why, you know, we, we all know COVID's bad. Actually, um, I have family members that have gotten COVID, and if my father gets it, I don't think he would survive through it. I myself have had tuberculosis, Hannity. I, I was told I wasn't supposed to be working in the public, you know, and I've had to work in the public from day one. I'm going to lose everything. You know, at my age, going back home and living in my mom and dad's house with nothing, that's not an option. I, I mean, I'm just listening to your story. I mean, what I hear and I totally understand is desperation. But your state is yeah. now shut down. And then, by the way, you do see your state officials like Gavin Newsom. He's sitting around elbow to elbow, you know, at a, his own dining table. And I didn't see anybody at that table with a mask on. Gavin, I don't know if you know this. As far as I know, Gavin Newsom's wineries have been open the entire time. I'm actually, you know, thinking about uh, taking a pro- protest there. It's a little far from where I'm at, but I've been talking to people about it. Has been open the entire time. And it just came out that he has, I think, something like eight, eight businesses that he's a part of, of which those eight got like $3 million in PPP loans. And I know bar owners, you know, I'm going to give a shout out right now to Maui Sugar Mill. You know, if you want to go and donate to them, that bar has been around forever. And it really caters to the music industry and bringing in people, you know, big bands, but also making careers for people. They did not have food. And in L.A. County, if you don't have food, you haven't been able to open for nine months. And the landlords still want the rent. They, t- they took out a personal loan, Hannity, a personal loan that's almost gone and their unemployment's running out just to try to save their bar or have a chance to open. God knows who, when, because there's no, they're not telling them when they get to open. So they don't even know when they're going to, I mean, I, I truly, truly am one of the lucky ones, I say. Because I did get a PPP loan, I was able to go outdoors because I have food. You know, we're more of a bar with food. 110,000 restaurants have been put out of business already. It's just <laughs> the tip of the iceberg. Of us left it's just the tip of the iceberg. I can t- listen. All I do now is buy my food as often as I can from all my my restaurant buddies. I and even and by the way, I'm gaining weight because of it. But I'm I mean <laughs> seriously, I just I buy they more food than I ever will I eat. Know they do. I know these waiters. I know the chefs. I know the owners. I mean, I mean, think of what you have to pay in rent or mortgage. Think about putting the lights on. Think about building out your restaurant. Think about you know you need glasses. The margins you need, are already so thin. The margins. You know, how many cheeseburgers do you have? What do you? What's your like your favorite thing on the menu <laughs> that you have at your place? Uh, well, we're, we're we're we we are really known for hamburgers, but we're very known for our, our chicken wings. Believe it or not, we I have love chicken, chicken wings. wings. Oh and, man. Oh. We sell, We have the best in town. We sell a lot, you know. But you know, can you, can you deliver to New York? Can you stick it on one of those FedEx <laughs> trucks? But well, you know, but, but I, I wish I could, and they would still taste good. <laughs> you know, but this, but the serious side of this, this is your whole life now, and now it's literally hanging in the balance. And I'm probably sure, if I'm guessing right, that a lot of your re- regular steady customers 
are probably, you know, trying to order, you know, pick up, curb pick up and all that, but it's not the same. Annie, when we first did to go, I knew that doing to go, I would lose thousands of dollars, but I wanted to stay open so I could pay some of my staff at least and, and also keep the community together. And, and I did everything I could to get my sales up because we're not really known for to go. And my regular customers did everything they could to support me. And I even did a fundraiser for the nurses. You know, if you bought food from me, I would take it and deliver lunches to the hospitals. Even with that, we were only, we were losing 90% of our income. We were not, we only made 10% of what we normally would make. And I was taking a hit of about 20 to 30,000 a month. I was now, do you do you own the building or do you pay rent? No, we we pay rent as as do most people in L.A. Yeah, but at, that you know, probably LA means you can't pay York. you can't pay the normal rent. I mean, then what Kennedy, do you do? Then what does your landlord I'm, do? I'm already sixty thousand dollars behind in rent, and nobody the landlords will not work with you. I mean, here's the vicious cycle that you know. I guess I'm, I'm taking it off the subject of small businesses. I don't want to. But this is why I continue to keep talking. It's not just about my pub. I pray and hope that my pub will be here. I've, I've gotten so much love and generosity. But everywhere around me, I'm talking five, like within a mile, five or six businesses that are never going to reopen that are trying to do GoFundMe's go now. But the thing is, is like I have, they, these are the customers that would come into my patio and tell me what, you know, they're going under. They're not making it. We have people in L.A., your rent is, say, 1500 right, maybe even more, who can't even pay their rent. Their unemployment has run out. They're on their last check. And the building owners aren't working with them because the banks are not working with the building owners. The building owners still have to pay taxes, and they still have to pay expenses. Not, they're not, not all the buildings. You know, a lot of people own little apartment buildings as a retirement as well. They're not getting. Any by the way, Linda, Linda sent me the article on this. Uh, you're right about the winery owned by or founded by Gavin Newsom. Wow, his winery's open. Can you believe that? I wonder if they have taste can tests on weekends. That? It's unbelievable. No, can, it, can I believe that? it yet? Yeah, the answer, the answer, sadly, is yeah. I can believe it. Yeah, there's got to be a happy medium. Now, I've been to restaurants here that were well. Now they're all closed. Well, New York, I you know I've heard twenty one just shut down. You know how long twenty one? Now I gave a speech there. I've never used to dine there, but I've given speeches. How many years, Linda's twenty one club been in New York? I I read that and I broke my heart. Oh my gosh, I've never been there. But you know, here it's happening. Here we have the Valley Inn. It's been here for fifty years. They're drowning in debt and they don't think they're going to make it. I can tell you ten places that have been here that long with history that are gone. They're not going to make it. By the way, Linda, just you can say it on air. You can get the credit. I'm not stealing 1939, your 1939, my credit. Give it to Ethan. All right, thank you. <laughs> As we continue, uh, Angela Marsden is with us. She's the owner of the Pineapple Hill Saloon and Grill. and She's now completely shut down. So how many people work for you on a regular basis in the Pineapple Hill Saloon and Grill? By the way, next time I go to California, I'm going straight to your restaurant. I'm going to get some chicken wings instead of In-N-Out Burger. I'm going to give you some great hot wings. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I mean, yeah. but, you know, even, on, on look, how much money do you make on an order of hot wings? You're not making a lot of money, No, uh, we Angela. make our money off, off we make off our beer. money off people Booze. coming and drinking. Yeah, yeah. Oh. And, I, and I have I have always employed 15 to 16 people during, a, you know, a normal year. So I'm kind of in the middle. I'm not real small. I'm not real big. Oh. Um 
Let me ask you, do you have like a GoFundMe page or anything? I'd like to donate. I mean, a little bit and help you out. Anybody? We do do have a GoFundMe page, and I've been very, very, I mean, I'm not kidding you, all over the world. I've had people from Australia, from London. Um, I'm blessed that we have gotten a lot of donations, more than most. I continue to keep talking to shine a light on other businesses around me that are going under and also to try to, I would love to recall Newsom. I want to get this state open in a safe way. California is so far uh, gone. I, I hate to tell this to you. It, you need to pick up and go to like Texas or Florida. Get the I've hell out of there. So many people tell me that. I so and I know it's people. terrible, but I and I live five years in California. It's a beautiful state, but it's gone. I gotta run. What's the GoFundMe page? They can find us on PH Saloon on Facebook, and there's a link, or they can go to Pineapple Hill Saloon on Instagram. We'll and, put it up on uh, Hannity.com. Make it easy. How's that? You. Listen, our, our thoughts, prayers with you, your employees, your business. I mean, and I hope people can. You know, if they if you can't get in there, maybe you can just order dinner tonight. Thank you, uh, Angela. We're praying for you and your family. All right, News Roundup Information Overload Hour, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of this extravaganza. You know, as I I said at the beginning, every major, huge, big institution has now compromised themselves in ways that I never thought could, quote, happen here. I never believed would happen here. Now, all right, we know Democrats are Democrats. We know they're propagandists. We know they're little socialists. We know they have a different agenda than the freedom agenda. That just goes without saying. But, you know, this whole Hunter Biden story, oh, it's likely Russian disinformation. That's Russian. That's Russian disinformation. None of that stuff about Hunter. There's no evidence whatsoever about Hunter Biden doing anything wrong or quid pro quo doing anything wrong. That was never true from day one, ever. And it was obviously not true. And the mob, the 99%, they just did a full-on defense of all things Biden. But it it goes deeper than that. For three years, they all unite, the Democrats, the media, the mob, big tech. They, there's no censoring of the Russia lie conspiracies or Ukrainian lie conspiracies. They didn't care. I mean, you're now talking about the most powerful institutions in this country now having been corrupted. Big tech companies, no, we're not going to let you read the New York Post story on Hunter Biden, even with the picture of Hunter Biden with a crack pipe asleep in his mouth. Oh, why would we let you see any of that information? So I don't care if it's Hillary's dirty dossier, which they ignored, didn't didn't care about Russian interference when it's her. Uh, They didn't care about Ukraine and a real quid pro quo. Joe's on tape. Hunter's on Good Morning America. He got the money. The money's there. It's not even in dispute. You know, they didn't vet. Biden, Biden didn't answer a single question, like, just like Obama never had to answer questions when he was running for president. Uh, Hunter, oh, now we find out. Hunter is under serious, significant investigation. Wow, this is really real after the election. You know, uh, or we're going to rely on a hearsay whistleblower that's anonymous, but we'll ignore the whistleblowers from every state, the hundreds of them telling stories that leave your mouth wide open. It doesn't seem to matter. You know, and and this is a very dangerous thing for America. Now, when you get it into the election aspect of things and the media is attacking any Trump supporter for daring to even ask a question or listen to real whistleblowers. I thought whistleblowers were courageous and patriotic. And the media, they they just run their full defense for all things Democratic Socialist and all things Biden. 
and it's it's propaganda that I just never thought I'd see on in this country to this extent. Listen. These are people who, if Donald Trump said, I'm going to trash you on Twitter unless you go smack your mom in the face, they would go smack their moms in the face and try to explain it to them afterwards. 77% of Republicans believe uh, that there was widespread uh, voter fraud. Mm. Um, <laughs> just seriously, I mean, it's just, uh, it basically means 77% of Republicans are disconnected from reality. Maybe there are 50 million jerks in this country. Maybe that's the sad truth. And how do we manage that? Because Joe Biden is doing everything right. And when you see that sign and you see maybe there's a chunk of us that really suck as human beings. We suck. 50 million of us just suck as human beings. Really? Wow. Amazing. Because we disagree with Donnie Deutsch. Um, you know, it's these, these are amazing times. Nobody wants to hear the president or the president's side or or li- even listen to a whistleblower. It's stunning. Here's the president. I went from 63 million to 75 million, a 12 million vote difference. That's the biggest margin in history. They say if I got 67, the smartest people in the business, if I got 67 million votes, I couldn't lose. I got 75 million and they say I lost. I didn't lose. The election was rigged. By who? By the Democrats and actually, interestingly, by the Democrats, but by local Democrats, meaning state Democrats. They outsmarted state Republicans. Joining us now, Cheryl Atkinson's back with us. Uh, she hosts her own Sunday program called The Full Measure with Cheryl Atkinson. And by the way, has written a terrific book, Slanted, How the News Media Taught Us to Love Censorship and Hate Journalism. Uh, if you look in the big picture, they didn't care about Russian interference when it was Hillary's bought and paid for Russian disinformation dossier. They didn't care about quid pro quos when it's Joe and Hunter in Ukraine. They didn't vet Obama. They didn't vet Biden. They did all the Joe had no reason to leave his basement bunker because the media just spent all their time attacking Donald Trump. They care about whistleblowers, but only if it's an anonymous hearsay whistleblower, not whistleblowers, hundreds and hundreds of them saying this is what we saw during the election. They don't want to hear from them either. Um, and I just never thought it'd get this bad, but it's even worse than I think I suspected even a year ago, Cheryl. Well, it's true, and to be a viewer of the news today requires you to some degree to just sort of suspend your logic because you're watching things that I think don't make sense to most people because they see that double standard. They see anything that one side says being questioned or called a lie no matter what, and anything the other side says being taken as truth, no matter how little evidence or even if it's proven false. And it's this effort, I think, by a lot of successful effort, by a lot of interest to create this alternate reality and try to convince us to live in it. But I think a lot of people see past that. Yeah, I I think they do. But I think look at Hunt. Let's stay on Hunter Biden for one second. So big tech censors the New York Post story. New York Post is the fifth biggest, largest newspaper in the country. They had pictures of Hunter asleep with a crack pipe in his mouth. And by the way, what I'm told is on this hard drive is way worse than we even know. Now, all of a sudden, they said there's no credible person to say that no credible. There's no evidence whatsoever in the lead up to the election. Now, Hunter has to admit that he's under investigation. Now we find out the attorney general knew the whole time. Now, all of a sudden, well, I guess we have to cover it now, but it's OK because his father was, well, we believe, elected president. Um, Cheryl, does that sound like a massive 
cover-up to you, something the media might even call a conspiracy? Well, surely if the tables were turned and this had happened to, say, uh, Donald Trump's son that had some questionable practices that had been investigated. In fact, I don't know if you remember, Sean, a year ago, there was left-wing press doing quite good investigations on Hunter Biden. But this was when Biden, Joe Biden, was in the Going contest. Going against Bernie. Or, yes, and he was in the contest. Some people didn't want him in, apparently, on the left. But as soon as he won the nomination, it's like all that went down the memory hole. It's like that investigation was never done. And if anybody raised it now, they were conspiracy theorists, even though there's a well-established record of some pretty good reporting on that. And like I said, if the tables were turned and nothing had leaked out. I mean, I think it's interesting, and I'm not for illegal leaks, of course, but... But anything, it seems, against Donald Trump, even if untrue, anything that hurts him leaks, but anything that could help Donald Trump or hurt somebody else, even if true, that seems to be kept a secret. And as people see through that, but I take your point that still the saturation of everything we see and watch and listen to is uh, so dominated by these narratives, it's hard for people to feel like they can pierce it and get the truth and figure out what's really going on. This is what I keep saying as as I get more deeply into all of this, and there's so many different aspects, what I'm calling now these institutions in America, I'm really just concluding something that I really don't like to conclude. And that is, you know, we used to always point to other countries and say, that's them. I hate to say it, Cheryl, but I'm really beginning to say it's us that things have have gotten that bad here. Again, the double standard is breathtaking. Spiking, which is a term we used to use, the Hunter Biden story, or, you know, praising hearsay whistleblowers that are anonymous, but just totally ignoring witnesses in all the states, for example, where a lot of these election questions have come up. And how about in the big picture, this sort of gets blended in with the other stuff, how powerful and entrenched our intelligence agencies and some of the figures inside them are in terms of directing the narrative. I mean, we saw two top former intelligence people join cable news channels where they put out propaganda almost every day against President Trump. Much of it proved to be... You're talking about Brennan and Clapper. Right. And that's that can be seen in my experience is nothing other than an intelligence operation that used the media to further the false narrative that then at the end, even though one or the other said, I guess I got some wrong information. They know that what they put out there was wrong. They're still being used as experts as if nothing happened, as if there was no operation against Donald Trump. And this to me is very shocking that what I call the persistent bureaucracy and how our intelligence agencies, no matter who's president, really seem to be able to pull so many strings on what we see and hear and decide and what happens in this country. And then you could even take it a step further in my mind, and that is that, okay, so all of this happens. The consequences, and this is where I get so frustrated with the Durham investigation. I'm like, okay, the roadmap was there. The low-hanging fruit was there. The indictments were already written for you in the Horowitz report. And they didn't do it. And the election comes and the election goes. All of this information available about Hunter Biden and nobody says a word. Now, after the election, oh, OK, I guess we can now investigate it because we really have no choice uh, because of, let's see, the well, first thing will happen. Nothing significant will happen. And you don't think anything now. would happen? Nothing significant will happen now. And you don't, don't think anything think that... will happen with Durham either? No, I don't think anything significant. I, I know some Republicans are still saying, well, Durham's still going to make his report. And, you know, I think just based on experience and what we've seen the past four years, 
it, it doesn't matter now. Any of that stuff, especially that which was related to election interference in 2016, in my view, had to come out before 2020 to be meaningful. It's not shouldn't have been avoided as we got close to the election, because otherwise you're rewarding the bad actors, not holding anybody accountable. And I don't think they ever will be to any meaningful degree, because now the election has passed. It's too late. doesn't matter what happens now. And I think it's interesting how justice is very swift for some people, like all of the people in the Trump orbit who were not found to be colluding with Russia, but something else was found on them and justice was swift, whereas justice seems to never come for some people where these FBI investigations go on for years and years and years and sort of disappear. I will remind you that the FBI was reportedly investigating the Clinton Foundation in three bureaus at one time during before the election last time, including Little Rock, Washington, D.C., and New York. The New York Times, according to my information, found out about that and sat on the information, held it. And whatever happened to that, that just sort of faded away. The Tony Podesta question, he was involved in some of the same uh, lobbying efforts and that, that others got in trouble for on the Trump side. And he shut down his business kind of quietly. There were rumors that maybe he was going to be arrested. Never heard another word about that. Former Governor Terry McAuliffe, when he was governor in Virginia, announced that he admitted he was under FBI investigation for something. I looked at maybe six months ago, never any follow-up. Don't know what happened to that. Like justice does not come, or at least in the same form with the same speed, depending on who you are in this country, it seems. I mean, you, you hear it. Do you not feel what I feel, which is <laughs> I always thought that could happen somewhere else, not here. Um, and Cheryl Atkinson dot com as a website. You you printed a complete list of some of the most significant claims of 2020 election miscounts, errors or fraud. We've been trying to keep up with it. I've, we've all heard from the whistleblowers, real ones this time. What is your conclusion? Well, I think we can see from what's out there is there is certainly a lot to investigate or question in what I think is our most unusual election, at least of my time, in terms of the pattern, mail-in voting, the lead switching, ballot count stopping, multiple first-hand observers swearing they saw vote machines change votes, uh, TV evidence of Trump losing votes, Biden gaining them, which would be impossible in an in unadulterated system, blocked observers, the pause in counting, votes found later on USB drives, you name it. There's certainly reason to ask logical, skeptical questions that were not asked. I think the media really did a disservice in the days right after the election without knowing any of these things yet, or certainly without having firsthand knowledge, having investigated any of it, to dismiss it all of it off the front end and say that nothing exists and that it's all been debunked when they have no such information or proof of any such thing. So I will just say there's a lot there to look at. And I think we, it's clear that without the media or law enforcement's help, it's impossible to collect the forensic evidence, the subpoenas, the depositions that would be needed to prove the type of fraud that um, is being alleged or would need to be proven to a court. You know, without law enforcement stepping in and collecting evidence and so on, you can't do this as a civil person in a matter of a couple of weeks. You can't gain access to this. And this this is the great irony in all of this. You know, all of our coverage of Russia was right. The amount of work that goes on behind the scenes to vet a single detail, because we can't get it wrong. If I get it wrong, my world explodes. So we have to get it right. And they have no standards, i.e. Russia collusion never happened. 
Uh, Cheryl Atkinson, thank you as always. CherylAtkinson.com for all things Cheryl. We appreciate you being with us. All right, 800-941-SEAN is our number. When we come back, uh, you know, the shutdown is killing people now. I mean, literally, it's their, their lives upended in ways you can't believe. We'll get to that next. 25 till the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. I got to get this montage, the mob, the media. They're so corrupt. We're going to play them on Hunter then and now Hunter now. Donald Trump, why didn't we know? He's right. Why didn't we know? When all the brouhaha, all the big tech companies are censoring the Hunter Biden story, why didn't we get told when it's being investigated by the Justice Department? And there's a good point Peter Schweitzer make. We'll play that, too. Democrats win the Senate. They'll shut down all of these probes. They're going to shut them down anyway. Watch. I said, I'm not going to we're not going to give you the billion dollars. They said, you have no authority. You're not the president. The president said, I said, call him. I said, I'm telling you, you're not getting a billion dollars. I said, you're not getting a billion. I'm going to be leaving here. And I think it was, what, six hours. I looked, I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a (laughs) got fired. There's no evidence to support the claims about Joe Biden's son. Hunter Biden is under an ongoing investigation for his taxes related to his business dealings in China. There's no evidence that Hunter Biden did anything illegal. CNN and others are reporting that Hunter Biden is now the president-elect's son, is under investigation. Hunter Biden, there's no evidence that he's done anything wrong. The Justice Department investigating Hunter Biden, he says it's for taxes. While we all know that Hunter Biden, there's no evidence of any wrongdoing with him. New details on the federal investigation of President-elect Biden's son, Hunter. Hunter Biden this week has confirmed two investigations on him, one on Jim Biden. You see, the word is you're disappointed that William Barr knew about this in the spring. Well, everybody is. Who isn't disappointed? Right. Joe Biden lied on the debate stage. He said there's nothing happening, nothing happening happening and Bill Barr should have stepped up. I'll tell you what, say what you want about Robert Mueller. When BuzzFeed put out a phony article, I think it was BuzzFeed, but BuzzFeed put out a phony article, Bob Mueller stepped out and he said that article was a phony and then there was ultimately proven no collusion. No, after two years, no collusion. But Bob Mueller stood up and he, he interjected that this article was false. Bill Barr should have done the same thing. Jonathan Turley said that uh, he had no choice, that he, he would have been like, he would have been like uh, James Comey again. All he had to do is say an investigation's going on. And by the way, I don't want to see anything bad happen to Hunter Biden. Whatever it is, it is the facts. But I don't want to see anything bad happen to Hunter Biden. And I purposely stay out of it. But when you affect an election, Bill Barr, frankly, did the wrong thing. When they are saying things, making statements, and the press is purposely not reporting it, Bill Barr, I believe, not believe, I know, had an obligation to set the record straight, just like Robert Mueller set the record straight. You know, he set it straight. If the Senate falls into Democratic hands, let's be clear, all the great work done by Senator Ron Johnson, by Senator Grassley, exposing the money flow from, of China to the Biden family, those investigations will be halted and stopped. Those are the stakes that we are facing right now. Oh, there's no evidence, 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 no credible evidence, no credible evidence, credible evidence. Oh, wow, there's something, I guess there's something to this. I, I mean, I just vacillate between just utter disgust and anger. And then, you know, there's the fight in all of us. You just never give up. You just can't. There's really not an alternative, is there? It's actually shocking to me at times that, and I didn't think I got shocked easily. The spectacular lies that are told. 
the the institutional 99% of media, the institutional 99% of big tech, the institutional all things democratic radical socialists, and the length and the depth of the corruption is unmatched. The amount of hypocrisy they will take in, the double standards that they will accept. And then we're all crazy. And we need to just be silenced. I mean, wow. I never I just never believed it's here. I always thought it was uh, some other place in the world that this crap happens. I was wrong. Julie, New Orleans, uh, next on the Sean Hannity Show. Julie, how are you? Glad you called. Hi, Sean. Good. I want to know why we, the people, best document in the world, our Constitution, why we can't sign a petition to take back this election, because there's no doubt in my mind that President Trump got 80 million plus votes. No doubt in my mind. There's no way Joe Biden even got 6 million votes. If he's lucky, he got two. Why can't we do something? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that the bellwether counties... 18 and 19 go to Trump by a margin of 15%. The bellwether meaning that these counties will tell you every election cycle who's going to win. Of, of 50, I think, what is it, 51 of 58 bellwether counties. You know, you have to convince me that I, I didn't see how popular Joe was because he got 15 million more votes than Hillary and 15 million more than Obama. I knew Obama was popular. I didn't think Hillary was that popular, but... He got 15 right. million more votes. Do you believe that? That, that Donald yeah, Trump can win the, the rest of the ticket. All goes Republican. But there's so many people that just vote for president. That's it. And they just yeah, happy. No, nobody believes it. Nobody believes that. Nobody. Well, it's obvious. Nobody. And I just want to know why you have all your friends that are you know, constitutional lawyers and what have you. Isn't there a way that we, the people, can we? The people do something. I mean, we're all sitting back here going crazy with all these judges denying, denying, denying what our lying eyes are seeing. I don't get Listen, it. You, you got to understand something here. And this is what I was trying to explain. And I think it's just a very difficult for me to even wrap my brain around, to be honest, is and this is why all of these things are so important. You know, vetting Biden never happened, happened. Vetting Obama never happened. Hunter, the evidence was transparent from the Ukraine time, the feigned outrage over Ukraine and quid pro quos. And you got Joe and zero experience Hunter, the feigned outrage. We can't have Russian interference, but we'll ignore all of the Hillary's dirty disinformation dossier spying on a presidential candidate, a transition team and, and a presidency. All of it happened. If you're asking me, uh, is do I lose hope at times? I, I, you can't ever stop fighting for liberty and freedom. That cause goes on forever. Do I see a remedy that is realistic that is going to happen? I, you know, hope diminishes with, with every court decision where they don't even want to look at or hear from a single real whistleblower. Whistleblowers, we're told we're patriotic. Whistleblowers, we're told we're courageous. We put a ton of whistleblowers on this program. Nobody cares except us. And this 74 million, 75 million person army that voted for Donald Trump that feels disenfranchised and just looks at it. And like and then the rest of the people, where's the evidence? I'm like, did you not listen to all the eyewitnesses? Did you not hear them? Did you not listen to them? You know, did you really think that videotape in Georgia was okay? Do you really think that continuing with voting systems that the media mob, liberal Democrats, conservatives, 
all say is is untrustworthy, yet we're going to allow 28 states to continue to use it? I would say the number one, two, three, four, five, one through 10 priorities are to fix our broken election system, because if people don't have confidence in the election, I don't know that I don't see any scenario under which that ends well for anybody, especially our kids and our grandkids. I just don't. And you're saying, well, it can't happen here. I'm like, yeah, it can. Yes, it can. Yes, it is. Yes, it did. And, you know, hence the importance that we've put into exposing the abuse of the deep state. You know, Russia, Russian influence in the 2016 election, premeditated fraud on a FISA court. You know, a real quid pro quo with zero experience. Now the money trail is everywhere with uh, Ukraine and Russia and Kazakhstan and China. You know, real whistleblowers just get ignored. A hearsay anonymous whistleblower gets praised to the hilt. And how do you fix it? Americans are just going to, you know, Newt Gingrich says something that is so devastating. And and Robert Cahaley, the pollster now, is factoring in a 3.7% fraud factor in his polls for the georgia senate race i'm like what we're factoring in 3.7 percent fraud calculations in polling i I never thought those words would ever come out of my mouth but that's what he did you know or or newt gingrich saying yeah but you have to win by more votes than than the democratic machine can steal in georgia i'm like never thought i'd hear that either so former speaker of the house smart guy but we're hearing it People are people paying attention to no, they ignored all the Russia. I mean, I can't I'll give you the last word. You tell me, Julie, how it's going to get fixed. I I'll tell you right now from what you're saying to me, Sean, my husband still serves this country over 30 years. He retires finally next year. I don't want Joe Biden's name on his certificate. There's no way. He started with Ronald Reagan, and I guess uh, I'm going to beg President Julie, Trump. let's hope that your husband lives a little while. Let's not go there. <laughs> I want your husband to be happy and, and healthy and holding you in his arms every night. How's that? Yeah, well, like I said, this is just sad. It's sad to see our, our beautiful country turning so far left that I can't even see straight. Our framers, our founders, they all warned of this. Reagan was not joking when he said freedom is but one generation away from extinction. I'm worried it happens on our watch. I feel like I failed as a person, as a citizen, if it does. Um, But there's always hope, Julie. You know, we know how the big story ends. Thank you. Scott in Florida. What's up, Scott? How are you? Good afternoon, Mr. Hannity. Uh, I'd like to say that uh, freedom is already dead on our watch, and I'm not being melodramatic either. Uh, Look, regarding this COVID-19 pandemic from Boston to San Francisco and every point in between, Mr. Hannity, every small restaurant and small business must all band together and absolutely refuse to pay their taxes because of the extreme hardship and persecution that has been deliberately, I rephrase, repeat rather, deliberately inflicted upon them by a tyrannical and out-of-control government. This smacks of communism, plain and simple, and I'd like to also say, Mr. Hannity, that with no tax money coming in, local, state, and even the federal government will be forced to remove their draconian and evil persecution of small businesses across America. Look, the 1% has a ruthless agenda to annihilate the other 99%, 
which they consider to be the stupid, dumbed-down, unwashed, the great unwashed masses. And by the way, liberalism will always predictably fail, and based on their stated policies, the, the promises, the false hope of socialism in any form or manifestation always fails. It always increases poverty. It always increases, um, you know, it does, it, power to the state. It's a matter of how much power you give up in the name of these false promises of, of security. You're not going to get them. Obamacare, law and order, uh, education. Why would you think any other institutional uh, fix by a government is going to work? You know, so there, there is an ebb and flow to people understanding what goes on here. You know, but now we've got other challenges. And that is what I've been discussing. Powerful institutions have been deeply corrupted. Now, you, now if you're a Republican, you're running against big tech. You're running against a media mob that hates you. And you got a Democratic Party that will say and do anything for power. But that has to be exposed, too. You know, they you know, we, we want this country united. We want this country together. Yes, there's a lot of these issues, irreconcilable differences. Sure, I'm against socialism and every every, you know, fiber of my being. And the best thing you can do is educate people and fight for what you believe in and understand that your role in this is key. You know, nobody can retreat and just say, I don't want to. It's too hard. And we're all too busy. And we're going to be busier because they're going to be taxing us even more. And we're going to be paying more for pretty much everything. Um, you know, there is a certain appeal of socialism and the false security that it offers people. And and part of the educational process is say, OK, well, how did Obamacare work out? How did your educational system work out? Your big city mayors and, and governors, have they done a good job maintaining law and order and educating your kids? The answer is no. You know, but there's uh, there. Unfortunately, like I'm too old to now know that there is an ebb and flow to these cycles. And it's like America has to once again go down the road and flirt with stupidity until it realizes, yeah, that was a bad idea. And when you start to get things fixed and you say, oh, let's go back and try one more time. Happens all the time. And it's just sad. Um, listen, we, we want to stay the United States, but we can't be uh, corruption and lying, etc. That's not something that's going to work. It, it is founded, as Thomas Paine said, you know, where the guides and dictates of conscience irresistibly be obeyed. You know, we wouldn't need government. Government in its best state and necessary evil, worst state intolerable one. We want to get away from the intolerable part. And that's going to be through the arena of ideas. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today. Full coverage tonight. All things the mob, the media will never tell you or the big tech companies won't let you read. Kaylee McEnany, Senator Lindsey Graham, Greg Jarrett, Sarah Sanders, Josh Hawley tonight. Oh, and you're going to meet the parents of the two-year-old that was kicked off United Airlines uh, because uh, the two-year-old didn't quite follow all the mask mandate rules to the second. Unbelievable. DVR tonight, Hannity, 9 Eastern, Fox, we're not the mob. We'll see you then back here tomorrow.